quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. All of the non-maintenance things that tenants have reached out to us about over the last few years, we have a documented list of all the questions we've been asked and how they can be answered by a virtual assistant. Again, if my VA isn't sure, they go to their supervisor, typically me, to figure out exactly what needs to be done. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Slocum Reed, and today I'm bringing you another bonus operations episode. To VA or not to VA, that is the question. We're talking about virtual assistance today. I often get questions from people in my sphere and people who have reached out to me through social media about the virtual assistants that I use. I use quite a few for quite a large number of tasks, a lot of them being apartment operations tasks, which is what we're going to get into here. So we'll talk about the pros and cons of working with virtual assistants, and then we'll get into my own experience and what I do and do not have them do for me. Let me say first, the vast majority of my experience with virtual assistants is with people in the Philippines working for me full time, directly, not necessarily through an agency. I may have hired them through an agency but they report directly to me or someone else in my organization as effectively a full-time hourly paid person. Let's start with the big assumption that everyone is making, the big question. The answer is yes, you will in fact save money if you're good at working with virtual assistants. However, succeeding in working with virtual assistants requires that you have very solid business systems. That's what the conversation is here today, how to succeed, how to have those good business systems. First of all, let's talk about the pros of working with VAs. The first one, of course, is price. You're working with someone virtually in large part because they're going to be more affordable than the people who are available to work for you locally. A couple other reasons I choose virtual assistants. One of them is work ethic. I know for my people in the Philippines, the expectation is that they're going to work 50 to 60 hours a week. They don't really treat 40 hours like full time. And I use them for a lot of communications based work. So knowing that they're clocking in earlier than most Americans or in my time zone and clocking out later than most people in my time zone is really beneficial. The other is consistency. As soon as they are well trained, I know exactly what I'm going to get from my people every single time. And that's a higher level of consistency than I have experienced with comparable entry-level employees here locally in the United States. The cons to working with virtual assistants, really, this should more so be labeled, what work should I not give to a virtual assistant? And really, it comes down to decision-making. You should not expect virtual assistants especially for entry type positions to be able to make the kinds of decisions involving critical thinking or creative thinking that someone who is boots on the ground or has a greater understanding of American social norms and our vernacular would be able to do. You need to make sure that the work you're giving virtual assistants is very scriptable. 
it's very repetitive and that you're not putting them in a position where they have to make a lot of decisions on your behalf unless those decisions themselves are scriptable, like how much should be spent on a certain material or product or which one you should order given a certain circumstance. If you can write it down, document it, and have a solid business system around it, then you can teach a virtual assistant how to do it for you. And I cannot stress enough how much when working with virtual assistants, you have to train to a very high level of detail. I'll get into some examples here, but we script everything. And whenever one of my VAs has a question for me, when I answer it, I ask them to put that answer in their script document so that they have it the next time that they need it, the next time the same question, situation, circumstance arises. So let me give you some examples of what virtual assistants are doing for me in the operation of my apartments and my property management portfolio currently. I'll also give you some examples of times when my VAs need to be reporting to a supervisor or asking a supervisor to make a decision for them. Because again, we're not asking VAs to make decisions. The first place in apartment operations that I started using VAs and where most of my virtual assistant's time is spent now is in the leasing process. Working with virtual assistants in the Philippines, I can very affordably know confidently that we can respond to every single inquiry on every single rental listing we have within 24 hours. Not business hours, not business days, but hours. If they reach out on Friday night, they're getting a response from us on Saturday, regardless of the volume of inquiries we receive, because I can have someone full-time on staff affordably responding to all of those inquiries. The leasing process is very scriptable. So the text messages that my people are sending, the questions they're asking over the phone, the procedures that they go through to get from first contact with a prospect to the point of scheduling a showing, which obviously they can't do from the Philippines, but someone else on my team to schedule a showing, having pre-qualified prospective tenants, everything is scripted and it's all done by virtual assistants. At this point, those systems are very well ironed out for me, and it's just very simple. Doing it this way also makes it really easy for me to ping my virtual assistants and ask them what the lead volume is on each of our listings individually. How many inquiries are we getting? How many of those inquiries are responding when we reach out? How qualified are they based on our pre-qualification criteria, the answers that they're giving us? And are we getting enough showings booked to get the apartment or the unit leased quickly? Very simple because I have people on my team who are handling all of that full time to get those answers on a regular basis so that I know when we need to pivot. Of course, when we're pivoting, that's a decision that I'm making and not them. My virtual assistants are also processing all applications once a prospective tenant has officially applied for one of our apartments. Now, they process the application, they draw up a summary, and then they send me the full application with the summary for my own review. I'm the property manager, whether I'm the landlord or not. I'm the property manager, and I'm the one who is making the decision to approve or decline an applicant based on the same criteria that the virtual assistant already knows. And frankly, it could technically be something that they do for me, but I know that the buck stops with me. You, listener, know that the buck stops with you and you should be making that decision yourself. But I have 
that application summary served to me on a silver platter. It's so easy to just do a quick review of all of the actual pertinent information, the actual rental qualifications, and say approve or decline. And if it's a decline, exactly why. In the leasing process, I'm the one who's making the approval decisions. And also when my VAs come across a circumstance with a tenant that they're not familiar with, they're asking me about that as well. They're not making decisions about particular circumstances that prospective tenants find themselves in, anything that could possibly be a fair housing violation, any inquiry, request, concern that they're presented by a prospective tenant that they've never heard before, they're coming to me to get an answer. I'm asking for follow-up information if necessary, but as soon as I'm ready to give them an answer to the inquiry or concern from a prospective tenant, they're not only delivering it to the prospect, but they're also documenting it with their scripts so that the next time it comes up, they know exactly what the answer is. Perfect example would be emotional support animals. Prospective tenant says, I have an emotional support animal. Will you accept them? My virtual assistants know exactly what to say because that's come up multiple times. My VAs know exactly what to say because it's a scripted conversation for us now. The next thing within apartment operations, property management, where I use virtual assistants to do the vast majority of the work is with responding to tenant concerns. Whenever a tenant reaches out to the management company, the first person they're going to talk to is a VA. And I'll say that with the leasing process, the first VA I hired to do it on day one had pretty solid scripts, templates, and systems to work from. But when it came to tenant concerns, really, I just had to let the VAs take those calls, tell all of our tenants they had to talk to a supervisor, me. And then as soon as I gave them answers to whatever questions or concerns, or we acted on whatever the circumstance was, my VAs documented what our solution was to each of those problems so that they wouldn't have to ask me again the next time. And now we have a fairly comprehensive list of all of the concerns questions, issues. I'll get to maintenance in a moment, but all of the non-maintenance things that tenants have reached out to us about over the last few years, we have a documented list of all the questions we've been asked and how they can be answered by a virtual assistant. Again, if my VA isn't sure, they go to their supervisor, typically me, to figure out exactly what needs to be done. That said, I don't have to take the vast majority of tenant concerns, even though I'm the property manager because I have a trained VA doing it for me. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Deciding how to invest your capital is more challenging than ever. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company with a solid track record and that has thrived through various economic cycles. Companies like BAM Capital. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator that has delivered a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. BAM Capital has never missed a preferred payment never lost an LP's investment, and never called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital is currently raising capital for a fund designed for accredited investors targeting a 15 to 20% IRR and a 2 to 2.5x equity multiple to its investors over a three to five year hold period. If you're an accredited investor and you want to learn more about multifamily investment opportunities with BAM Capital, visit capital.thebamcompanies.com. Again, that's capital dot the bamcompanies.com next is maintenance requests and this is a tricky one because my virtual assistants in the philippines are not trained on building code or general home maintenance 
or American norms for how things like water heaters, gas furnaces works. Imagine this in the Philippines, they're not as worried about their heat systems as they are their air conditioning. So my team here locally and myself are much more involved in processing maintenance requests. But that said, the decision-making is a small percentage of the amount of time involved in processing maintenance requests. The scriptable conversations, the answering the phone when it rings, the reaching out immediately when a service request is submitted through Appfolio, all of that can be done by a virtual assistant. And my VAs know that I'm almost always going to ask for photos of whatever the issue is and get whatever information we can about model and serial number of the thing that's not working so that we can act as quickly as possible. And ideally, our technician arrives the first time at the property already having the solution in hand. But I'm not letting my virtual assistants make decisions about how we handle maintenance requests. Every single request is summarized and sent to a supervisor so that the supervisor can be the one making the decision. A couple of quick examples just from this past week. We had a tenant move in at the beginning of September and the hot water wasn't hot enough. Well, if I send out a technician to figure this out, someone's going to have to pay a bill. The tenant, the landlord, and really we want to avoid the unnecessary expense of sending a technician if the answer is something as simple as, Go check the water heater, make sure it's on, follow the instructions on the water heater to figure out how to turn it on or to adjust the temperature of the water if necessary. And that's something that as soon as the virtual assistant brought the situation to me, I could reflect back to her and say, this is very simple. It's something the tenant should be able to handle on their own. Please talk them through a couple of quick steps through the process and then have them do it themselves and documented it for future water heater calls. Now my VAs will know that if it's a water heater issue, depending on the property, of course, if the tenant has access to their water heater, there are a couple of quick preliminary questions that we can ask, direct the tenant to their water heater, so that if all the tenant has to do is turn a dial or push a button to resolve the issue, no one has to be billed for a service call. Next is vendor coordination, talking about other contractors, plumbers, electricians, locksmiths, other specialists that I don't have personally on staff and we ever we have to go third party. When I have a pre-existing relationship with a service provider or vendor and I can notify the vendor directly that I have virtual assistants working for me who will be placing some of my orders. I then have virtual assistants place those orders for me. Again, a lot of these things are time sensitive, especially when they involve plumbing or a locksmith. And I can't afford to stop whatever I'm doing every time there's a plumbing issue just to get a hold of the right person and get the right person on site when there's no real decision to be made. So my virtual assistants are handling the coordination with the vendors to get them on site, communicating with the tenant, giving them updates, letting them know when someone's going to be on site, who it's going to be. Will you be there? Do we need to send someone on site to meet the plumber? The decision about whether or not to send the plumber is mine or belongs to a supervisor. But the coordination of the plumber's visit, for example, is done by a virtual assistant because it's very scriptable. It's very communication intense and time intense, whereas the decision to send the plumber is not. More on this note, for supply houses, hardware stores, places where we have accounts, where the decision has been made to replace an appliance or order paint, simple things like that, 
we have certain thresholds and price points where my virtual assistants know that this is how much a refrigerator should cost if we're adding a washer and dryer to an apartment or to a property this is how much we should expect to pay this is who we order it from they can go ahead and process that for me they don't make the decision about whether or not we're ordering a washer and dryer i make the decision but after the decision is made they have the documentation they need to act on it the last two places within my operations that i work heavily with virtual assistants may be a little more controversial and they definitely involve building a high level of trust. The way that you need to build a high level of trust with any employee or contractor or person you're going to be working with on an intimate level, especially when it involves your finances and the finances of the properties that you operate. I have virtual assistants handling all of the bookkeeping for my properties. What I mean by that is the data entry, and the bank reconciliation of bookkeeping. I have a CPA who is reviewing all of those financials on a regular basis, but I don't want to have to pay the CPA just to input data, check spreadsheets, do the bank reconciliation. The CPA can make sure that everything is accurately labeled, that everything is documented appropriately. And again, Bookkeeping is a fairly repetitive, routine process that is easily documentable, easily systematizable, and easily overseen by a high-level, expensive professional. And lastly, I essentially have an executive virtual assistant. She's my memory. She's my calendar. She's my notes. She's my general correspondence with pretty much everyone whenever I'm too busy or I need to focus on something. A lot of people in my life, personal friends and family included, know that if they go to Lou, they're much more likely to get on my calendar or get me to remember to do something than if they ask me personally. So let's resummarize this discussion of working with virtual assistants. Can you, do you, will you actually save money working with them? I believe the answer is yes. I'm paying one half to one third of what I would be paying someone here in my local market to do that same work. Not to mention, because of where these virtual assistants live, I am providing with my employment a serious quality of life. The people who are making one half to one third as much as they'd be making here in Cincinnati, Ohio, where I am, are saving up to buy houses, buying cars for the first time, and building a financial future for themselves, making less than I would have to pay someone here locally who would not have those same financial opportunities available to them with the wage they earned here. That said, a major focus for me these past few years has been documenting and ironing out my business systems, my scripts, documents, making sure that whenever a question arises or whenever there is a business activity that I need a VA to execute on, there is documentation somewhere of exactly how it needs to be done, what needs to be said. Best ever listeners, I hope you gained some value from this conversation about virtual assistants and how they can be used, especially in the operation of an apartment portfolio. If you did gain value from this episode, please do subscribe to our show. Leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend you know we can add value to through this content about virtual assistance. Thank you and have a best ever day.
Hi, Best Ever listeners. Joe Fairless here again. And one last thing before you go, would you like to receive a short weekly email with proven tips from experienced investors, free tools and resources, and a roundup of the week's most relevant news and Best Ever content? Well, if so, join the community of nearly 15,000 commercial real estate passive and active investors who receive the Best Ever newsletter. Just go to bestevercre.com forward slash access and you'll get the very next one. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, thank you for listening and have a best ever day.